Hi, I'm Trevor Elio. And I'm Julie Stern, and this is Conceptually Speaking, the show where we interview experts to uncover the concepts and patterns that help us organize our world. From farming to fashion, we can understand any field through acquiring, organizing, and transferring conceptual relationships. We hope this podcast will inspire teachers and students to design creative solutions to complex problems and accelerate innovation in today's schools. If you're interested in our work, you can find out more at edtosavetheworld.com. My guest today is Christy Beckman. Christy has been a teacher, adjunct professor, D1 soccer coach, and served as a culture and wellness coordinator for DC United's Youth Academy. But she's more than the sum of her accomplishments and job titles. Wherever she goes, Christy is a leader and a mentor. Whether it's the classroom or on the pitch, I've seen her transform the lives of young people in amazing ways. That's because, put simply, Christy just gets people. And at the core of her various roles and responsibilities lies a deep desire to help others grow. I don't think we're going to come out of this with a bigger GPA or a better SAT score. Mm -hmm. I do think the opportunity is there for us all to be really solid and really powerful, better humans. Our conversation today will explore how the concepts of culture, connection, feedback, and accountability slash empowerment affect leadership. If you're curious about that last slash, stay tuned for an insightful conversation. Our guest today is my personal friend and mentor, Christy Beckman, a teacher and coach with high school and university experience, both on the field and in the classroom. Today, Christy will be talking to us about leadership. Great to have you, Christy. Thanks, Trevor. It's great to be here. So to start, can you tell us about your view of the field of leadership? Well, I think the field of leadership is, uh, has become a buzzword. And that upsets me greatly because I feel like being a leader can be a leader in your family. It can be a leader in your workplace. To me, it's a lifestyle and not a buzzword. Knowing and understanding your role, when to speak, and using soft skills to advance you help with two things. It can make you happier and more successful. And I'm always saying the good leaders have soft skills that are the untangibles that you, that you really need to, to promote yourself and your lifestyle. Um, and that's why I don't think leadership is a buzzword. I think it's a lifestyle. Mm. So we ask all of our guests to think about their field and then narrow their view of it to its bare bones, its bare essentials. Um, thinking about what are the most important and fundamental concepts within their field. So can you talk to us a little bit about that process and what concepts you came up with? Sure. So I teach leadership courses and I also coach. Um, and being in a support role in my personal life, I've had to learn how to lead from the back mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, so some concepts that I've come up with throughout my education and career have been um, culture. Um, Culture is everything, how to build it, Uh, whether you're in your dorm room, learning how to deal with other roommates, whether you're in a freshman high school class or you're the new kid on your high school soccer team, or you're in a team and a work field um, that has or women and you're the only man stepping in, you're still responsible for building your own culture. So that's one of them. Um, mm-hmm. The another is definitely connection. 
um, how you're coming across. Too often, I feel like um, in leadership, we, we want to say the right thing. We want to do the right thing. But is the process cyclic? Is it coming back? Lots of people nowadays during coronavirus are, are calling themselves teachers. And I'm wondering how much feedback they've asked for. So it's one thing if I'm teaching and I think, whoo, I've just crushed that. Mm. It's another thing if I'm brave enough to ask my students if they've gotten the response back and have transferred the knowledge. And I usually don't have to ask. I can tell via connections, which does put us into a little bit of a, an awkward space virtually. However, we're, mm. we're sorting that one out. But those are the people who really lead because they're asking, what did you get? How can I help? What's the roughest thing you have going on? And, and how can I help you process that? So culture as well as connection. I guess for the last one, I would say um, accountability and empowerment. And I'm struggling to separate those two concepts in my, in my brain. Mm. Um, how I'm going to do that. Um, power could be another one that we could also talk about. Just things that you really have to understand the concepts of in order to be more effective as a, as a human and, and thus lead, whether it be your, your twin brother or your, your community or the nation. But you got to kind of have all of that, all of those pieces into defining your own role in there. One of the things that we talked about before we, we started recording was about Trevor mentioned that Christy is just one of those people that is super amazing at what she does and, and inspirational um, and especially to coach high school students and to teach high school students on a course of called leadership. So would you say that connection is important for leaders and that culture, you, I can see some relationship between culture and connection. And would you say that's important for leaders in general? And would you also say that that is what you do to with young people, with teenagers? I think that's all I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's the magic sauce of how, you know, how you're... Know. Jokingly, my husband calls me the teenage whisperer. I don't <laughs> know if that's a compliment or not, but mm, yeah. if you take it that way... And I, and I got to tell you, the relationship between culture and connection is, is super important. I, I'm a mom and a coach and a teacher and a friend and a sister. And understanding my role when I'm connecting with each of them and, mm. and not only what I'm trying to do, but where that person is and how I can get what they need that particular day is legitimately definition of my entire life for the last 27 years. Mm. Um, some people think I'm brilliant at it. Others I'm sure wish I would be quiet uh, and, and not focus on that. Um, however, um, it is what it is. But I think it's the most important thing to focus on. And there are so many problems and issues, I think in the world today, where we think if we can just get the right data set in front of somebody, if we can just get the right information in front of somebody. If we can just say things in a certain way, we can we can change the world for the better. And all those things are true, but the common element undergirding all that is just people, humans, getting people to be willing to step outside their comfort zone, to see something from a new perspective. All of these really technical problems that exist in the modern world really just boil down to the fact that 
humans can be stubborn and we need help. We need people to work with us to sort of change our mind and our perspective. So I think that I, that those concepts of connection, culture, and empowerment are really are sort of like fundamental to everything. So it makes sense that, you know, you are able to experience success in all of these fields, because if you get those things and you get people, no matter what field or discipline you're in, those right. are game changers. So ironically enough, my last coaching job, with, with, which paid well, was I was supposed to stand on the side of soccer fields with male coaches who coached at a very high level. And I was supposed to be a wellness coach, so to speak, for them as well as their, their kids, all guys. And so I found myself being paid to connect with people. So I would talk to them about their trials and tribulations and their challenges. And I would ask the kids, what'd you learn at school today? Are you still dating that girl? Hey, how's, I would say to the coaches, stop worrying about the X's and O's and greet them when they come mm. on the field. It's not rocket science. Mm. It just shows that you care and a leader has to care. So if you don't care, you're going to be very ineffective with your X's and O's. Your concepts are going secondary. You do have to actually treat them, like you said, Trevor, like humans. I found that interesting how you said it's hard. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean about how it's hard to distinguish between accountability and empowerment? I don't think the average person would say those things are hard to distinguish between. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I feel like one is very inspiring. Mm. It's, it's the transfer of an idea to something, and the other is something that you have control from within. Mm. Um, for example, empowerment implies that I'm going, I can reach somebody else and, and do that. But more often, the connotation of that term, in my personal opinion, is I have to empower myself and continually make my situation better as a leader mm. uh, and as a person. To, to say that the, the accountability piece, in my opinion, is very personal, especially in the education world. I'm now speaking with my 15-year-old son and with no one watching, with no teachers to tap him on the head and keep him focused. The accountability piece for him has to come from, from within. Mm -hmm. He has to hold himself to a standard. One of the things I'm either really good at or really bad is letting kids know where the bar is, what the expectation level is from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And I say to them up front, no hard feelings, just so that you know the bar is very high. Mm -hmm. You have to do, you have to be this person. You can't fake it with me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be able to see if you're getting it. I'm going to see and give you feedback on the level of energy you bring in an activity. Mm. I'm going to tell it like it is in my personal opinion, because I get to be the teacher and the coach right now, and you get to be the player or the student. So I'm going to tell you what that is. Accountability, in my opinion, is from where you set the bar from yourself. And empowering is more of a, a if I can me and we both feel a little bit better to inspire and to lead. Um, but I think that we don't talk much about accountability 
in the education world, my opinion is that kids feel like accountability equals their grade. Mm-hmm. But when you ask children about their grades or how the class is going, they say things like, good, they could have a C, mm. they could have an A, and they'll give you the same, which is, yeah, good. Mm. And I'll say, well, why do you have a C? And they'll go, oh, well, I have a C, but I can get it. Right. So why aren't you getting it? Like, I don't understand why you're not getting it. Like if you had the accountability piece and it wasn't grade oriented, it was more of, I take pride in this. The expectation level for me is different. I'm going to set the bar higher. It's a very individualistic thing in in my personal opinion. So I try to lead and I try to teach them how to gain a little bit of accountability Strangely enough, Trevor, not to get completely derailed here, but I have found that accountability is easier to teach using social media platforms. Mm. It's out there for the world to see. And once Mm -hmm. they've said it, you can rewind the tape (laughs) Mm -hmm. and say, but wait, you told me this was your purpose moving forward. Now, what are we doing? Why does this little activity that you did today that I'm upset with, not have the same purpose that you had yesterday. Like, are you focused on your purpose or not? So um, that was probably a really long answer. No, that that's great. And something that you, that you touched on that I like uh, that I think uh, Julie was sort of exploring with that question is when we hear the word accountability as people in education, it's, it's like nails on a chalkboard almost. It's like, we think evaluations, we think, metrics. We think these really crunchy things that that are used to hold our feet to the fire instead of empower us. Uh, But what I like, uh, Christy, is how you're thinking about not accountability from external systems, but accountability from within. And then even almost maybe even more importantly, or at least on the same level, is what is my accountability to the people that I'm connected with, to the people that I share this culture with? So it's not about getting the grade. It's not about, um, you know, having good grades. It's about being invested and being connected with the people that you are sharing this sort of cultural space with. And I think that that could be a really powerful way to gain some of the benefits of accountability without it being this sort of negative thing that is foisted upon us. Um, so what are, what are some of the ways that you have experienced uh, to get students to buy in to that idea of I am accountable mm-hmm. to myself because I deserve to bring my best to whatever activity I'm doing and I need to be accountable to the people that I'm sharing this cultural space with? Well, there's a variety of different ways. I think the first trick to accountability is to not make it is to add levity. I know that that sounds insane, but I enjoy doing things that are fun Mm. Um, and I will buy into just about anything and no one will ever outwork me at anything, but it has to be fun. And so if you meet them, old teacher's trick, if you meet them where they are and you go from there and figure out what does this person need? Usually, And especially in an education setting, it's just someone being direct and authentic and somewhat fun. That's Mm. it. Um, So it's kind of easy for somebody like me who doesn't take herself very seriously to get to know kids and go, what's going on? How are you? And 
and give them just the next right thing to do. Let's think about how we can make you a little bit happier today. Everybody wants to be a little bit happier, 1% happier in a day. Mm -hmm. If you could do it in an hour, why would you not? And as soon as they realize that they have control of their own happiness and their own amount of fun, they go bouncing into my classroom. They can't wait to see what the next challenge is. And, and so it's easy for them to want it, to inspire them first and through fun and activities and connection. It gets a little here. They already have that solid foundation to, to grow from and they want that back. To me, when I coach, it's like a euphoria. It's, it's me not having to be a teacher and a mom and, and, and a sister and a friend. It's, it's like, it's like an addiction to me mm. because I get to be my true authentic self. And as Trevor knows, who knows what will come flying out of my mouth in that particular <laughs> moment, but it's really who I am. And so I get to be me and it, I just want to keep coming back to that. So like you all are always talking about, well, what we talk about on the soccer field is deliberately training. We have to teach kids in education on how to be accountable and how to put their own expectations into their daily lives mm. so that every, every moment is not wasted. There's a great book out there by John O'Sullivan, and it's called Every Moment Matters. Mm. He wrote it in tandem with Jerry Lynch, who, who wrote Win the Day. Uh, the win, though, is W-I-N, and it stands for What's Important Now. And mm. the minute school was over and my soccer team did not get to compete for a state championship this year, we immediately, immediately that same day, I called each of them and I said, you know what? You deserve a good breakdown. You've got about two hours. Go for mm. it. Lose mm. your mind. Put your parents in the room, throw things, cry, break things. I'm losing my mind right now. Mm. There. I said, and then in about two hours, or I'll give you till tomorrow morning if you need it, hmm. we refocus. Because guess what? We get to still be together. We just have to change the game again. This is just us adjusting to life. Tomorrow morning, I need a schedule from each of you. What do you want out of it? There's no more school. Give me a schedule. Tell me how you're going to hold yourselves accountable. How many times a day are you going to check in? What do you think this person needs? What do you think that this player needs? What do you think I will need from you by the end of next week? And they all said the same thing. It was so endearing. They said, you're going to, well, you're going to need us to tell you that we're all okay. That's mm. exactly what I'm going to need. Mm -hmm. And I said, what am I going to do if I'm not okay? And they said, coach, we'll figure it out. That's what mm. we do. And I went, that's right. That's exactly what we do. And, and one of them quoted me in his senior memoir and said, it was like flipping a switch. It was game time. The minute we lost our season, coach said, we flip a switch, we figure out our new purpose, and we go. So it's funny that they have been taught accountability. They're responsible for their reactions. They're responsible for their behaviors. Um, and now it's a part of their culture, and, and their families feel the same way. It sounds like you, you, it sounds like you draw from the field of psychology in your leadership and your coaching. Do you do that intentionally? Do you read books about psychology or would you say it's more uh, experience that sort of brought you all of these realizations that are actual principles in the fields of psychology? 
I think I'm like everybody else, Julie. I think, think I have failed so many times in my life at so many different things, or I've hit a brick wall and I just don't enjoy the idea of stopping at the brick wall. Mm. So I do read a lot. You know, Trevor's the one who put phenomenal books in front of me mm. when I was at a low point in our high school coaching and teaching jobs. And I get a lot from that. And again, experience, you know, having, having lived a long time at a very old age, I can tell you <laughs> that kids will teach a lot really mm-hmm. fast. <laughs> but I don't want to be that person. I'm not born to get good at something and then stop. It's just mm-hmm. not in my DNA. It is, it is up for me to continue to be mind blown and to grab energy from people and to go, go, go. I jokingly say to my, to my sons and my players that when I'm in a wheelchair with no teeth on the side of the field, my expectation level is as they roll me out to the field and they will parade their children in front of me and they will let me coach them because I get so much energy from it. And they, I said, your, your children and your grandchildren will be teaching me so much about the world. Um, because it's very transactional and that I don't expect to be the voice of reason and have all the experience. Funny that you mentioned that because I just said to Trevor, maybe less than a month ago, how obsessed I am with sports psychology. And if Mm. I had my life to do over again, I would go back and I would get a PhD and I would study it because I find it extremely fascinating. And you use some of those things in your own personal, because you said earlier, you, you know, you're, you're, you're a mother, you're a wife, you're all of these different things. And you use some of those sports psychology. Can you tell us about how you, you use some of those sports psychology concepts in other situations and other roles? Sure. Like mental toughness. What a time in my life that I'm really struggling to be mentally tough. So I, I, I teach a couple of things with mental toughness, which I think that you will find funny. And I I teach it. And then in the last couple of weeks, when I was suffering from depression, because I don't get to be in a building with kids, I don't get to coach. Uh, I don't get people like Trevor throwing my classroom door open and going, hey, have you read the latest book? I don't have any of that. So I'm confined into a box. So I'm realizing that my anxiety was going up during coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And I went back to you got to pull this together, lady. You know, you got a lot of people looking at you. So my first thing about mental toughness was just making small attainable goals. The fear of not knowing what's going to happen in the fall is Mm -hmm. freaking everybody out, myself included. Mm -hmm. So I sat at the dinner table the other night and I said, so by five o'clock tomorrow, here's what I would really like to accomplish. I will feel good about it if I can just get this one thing done. So essentially, you know, taking the, the big elephant in the room and breaking it into something I can do. Yeah. Taking it 1% better. Another thing I'm trying to do to be more mentally tough is to take boring things and try to make them more fun. How do you do that? Can you give us an example? Sure. <laughs> it's so odd though, but um, my kids are very into this too. I have a, a house full of, of boys and athletes. And so Sometimes we watch a movie and like the, you know, if it's a Rocky or if it's a, when the game stands tall, mm-hmm. 
I will say, this reminds me very much of this moment. Remember the scene when, and so we'll try to play out our days, our mm. hard po- moments as if they were movie scenes and go, well, what would the character do if this was the scene? Mm. Um, and so we rely on, like, like Trevor's amazing at pulling in pop culture and just trying to go, okay, well, wait. In the movie, The Game Stands Tall, this is what they did. You channeled this person. I love 100%. it. 100%. Yeah. So building on that idea, Christy, one of the biggest strengths that I think that you have is you're such a powerful storyteller. You know, when we have this knowledge of like psychology or sociology and these sort of like technical fields, stories are the delivery vehicle for those. So what role do you think stories play in culture, connection, empowerment and accountability? That's such a great question. And the answer is um, they provide vulnerability. Because I'm willing to share and be vulnerable, some stupid things that I've done in my past uh, to to tell you a quick story or to listen to your story and try to reframe it and rewrite the narrative with you helps a whole heck of a lot. Like you said, I, I feel like stories are everything. Unfortunately, as you can probably tell, that's how I talk. <laughs> that's kind of all I have to share is some past experiences, but they've been super important. So I think the story that you tell yourself, the story that you share with others, and the story that's being told to you has crazy power. Mm. It is everything that we're fighting over. Think about it. If you wake up in the morning and you tell yourself the story that it's going to be good and that you deserve a great day, nine times out of 10, you created right exactly what you said. If someone else is telling you a story, it's an opportunity to learn from quickly. Uh, and you don't have to roll in the mud to know you're going to get dirty because you just heard your best friend sharing his or her life narrative. And you can smile and go, well, didn't you do that yesterday? Maybe you should change your story. But more importantly, the story that's being told to you culturally, the mm. story that I am continually told, although no one will put a name on it, is that it should make me and everybody else, including shareholders in soccer clubs, it should make us all super uncomfortable because I'm a woman coaching men. I have been told that and shown that narrative so many times that you would think I would believe it by now. I Mm. just don't, Um, but that's their narrative. And so I try not to take it personally, try to get them to examine their narrative a little bit because maybe that's not always true. Speaking of narrative, a lot of people's life narrative, where they saw themselves going, the leadership tools that they used, their goals, dreams, aspirations have kind of been put on hold with us dealing with coronavirus. So as our final sort of transfer task or question, how do you see these concepts playing out in this weird digital half-life that all of us sort of find ourselves in now? How, how can we tap into the power of these concepts when we don't have the ability to be face-to-face, be in the same room and sort of feel that electricity that is mm. circuiting around rooms with a powerful culture? Well, I think you and Julie are doing it right now, to be honest with you. Any connection is, is better than no connection. You told me a long time ago that there were some things that you just had to to do to truly thrive and grow and, and, and maintain a growth mindset. And the first one was 
make sure that your purpose is accurate and, and you stay focused on your purpose. And the second one was stay connected. So interestingly enough, my mom died a couple years ago. My father lives with me. Mm. He can't stand people whatsoever. Mm. I'm putting him on a Zoom call with all of his family. So the first thing I have to ask myself is, what does my dad need right now? Mm. I don't bring him a ton of energy. He doesn't, and I don't take that personally. That's just not what he needs. But what he needs right now is to connect with his family because naturally, if he could just see their face, he would smile and not be so crabby. And then my life gets better. Mm. So now that he's living with me. So he's on a Zoom call tonight at eight o'clock that I have set up. And he told me the 18 reasons why it will not work. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to get you on this call with your siblings. Mm. And it took me a week to do so. Mm. So you can see the coronavirus as a terrible thing because it's awful. But in my opinion, we're all accountable for being 1% better today than we were yesterday. And so it's my job to make sure that I'm still growing. What do I need? Where do I get energy? And then I got to go find that. And if it's a Zoom conference with my friend Trevor, then that's what I'm Mm. doing. (laughs) And if it's a phone call where I get to call and complain and cry my eyes out, I've already done that. Check Mm. that square today. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm responsible for my growth and my happiness. And so that's what I'm going to continue to do. Nothing has changed. The first thing I said to my seniors, nothing's changed. We still move. We still have a vision. And the vision was always to stay together. And the vision was always to stay connected and to continue to grow. We just don't get to play now or train, but that's our job. That's what we're going to do. It's, it seems like the culture of your classroom was and your, and on the field as a coach was easily transferred to this online setting, um, which is awesome. So kudos to you for that. I'm wondering if you've thought about if, you know, we have the summer and if we start the 2020 school year virtually, have you thought about Could you maybe on the fly provide some tips to teachers for beginning a new school year with a new set of students? How might you set up your classroom if it is virtual? I will tell you that before we left, I did think about it and I gave them, all of my students, a hard copy of outlines. I already have my classes set up with individual growth opportunities Mm. as well as team assignments. Hmm. And I said, but you get to define your team. So if you're trapped inside for the next couple of months with five of your family members Hmm. and you're used to being the baby, you've got to play a different role. So maybe your role now becomes the chief energy officer, Mm -hmm. which I'd already taught them that concept. Mm -hmm. So guess what? For 24 hours, you're going to let your four other family members grade you on how much energy you brought and what you did that was positive and give you some constructive feedback on that. So Mm -hmm. you're going to use the resources around you. That's pretty much as far as I've gotten, as well as, you know, maybe we can send in Flipgrid assignments. But I'll also say it's, it makes me extremely uncomfortable because, uh, again, the first thing I asked Trevor when we got on this call, when we weren't being recorded, was, mm-hmm. how am I going to teach belonging cues virtually? I don't know how I'm going mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's kind of a challenge. 
So right. now I'm kind of obsessed with it. And I right. can't wait for Trevor to answer that question. I think that's a whole a whole other podcast episode right there. Is right. yeah, yeah. But that's awesome. I think I think that's brilliant advice to to really have have teachers think about what what is the situation the kids are in right now. Um, what does their home look like? What is their their fam what is their role in the family? And really try to use that as a resource, instead of just thinking, all I have is this computer. <laughs> um, but what do they have there? And how can I use that? I think that's great advice. And how, how can I use that as a way to demonstrate culture and leadership? And bringing this back to those that sort of dual idea of empowerment and accountability, most states that, that I've been seeing are, are sort of scrubbing grades for the most part, at least for their maybe quarter four. So there's a new question that's being asked now, uh, which is, you know, what does accountability look like without grades? And to your point earlier, Christy, when the only tool that people use to measure, to consider accountability are grades, it doesn't inspire, it does not empower, it does not encourage. It sort of makes kids great game theorists because they ask themselves, you know, how little work can I put in to, well, still maximizing whatever number that I get. And I think that it's a great opportunity to reinvent. Well, who am I accountable to and why does accountability matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to one of the points that you've been bringing up is you help kids connect with what inspires them and what they want. And then you help them hold themselves accountable and you help them figure out how to hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. So a goal that they came up with, not that, not that you forced upon them, but a goal that they have deep within for whatever reason, how can they reach that together? And I think that that's a great question just across the board for everyone, and especially for people within education, is how can we help kids find whatever it is that they want to get out of these next, you know, this next strange amount of time that we're in? And how can they hold themselves accountable? And how can they hold the other people within their culture accountable so everybody can maximize their potential? despite all of the hardships, despite all of the inequity, despite all of the access issues that people are are dealing and suffering with right now. So uh, that's just fantastic advice. And I'm going to come up with a chart board. I'm a little afraid of asking Lindsay to hold me accountable for making sure I'm doing the dishes and taking out the trash on time, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure she will be, be happy that the extra layer is there. So yeah, I think that kind of brings things to a nice close. Are there any parting nuggets of wisdom that you'd like to bestow upon us? I think what you guys are doing right now is absolutely brilliant. I love how brave you are. I love that you're willing to talk about tough concepts. And the thing that you gave me before we spoke, I love that the focus as the actual transference Mm. of knowledge. Like you said, Trevor, I don't think we're going to come out of this with a bigger GPA or a better SAT score. Mm -hmm. I do think the opportunity is there for us all to be really solid and really powerful, better humans Mm -hmm. who can connect. And you know what? In my opinion, the college needs that. Workplaces need that. You know, you don't need a rocket scientist degree to be um, the greatest server who gets the most amount of tips, who has a happy, wonderful life in the world. But you do need soft skills. And it's a great opportunity to not stress about grades and college and book work and knowledge and start to transfer your soft skills that are so powerful into the world and become better people. Great Mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Love it. 
Yeah. So, so to close, I think that's, it's a great question for all of us. How can the concepts of culture, connection, empowerment, and accountability help us be better humans? Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Conceptually Speaking. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and are coming away with a stronger grasp of the concepts and mental models that help us understand our world. If you like this podcast, feel free to like, comment, or subscribe on your favorite platform. If you want to learn more or get involved, check out our website at edtosavetheworld.com and join our Facebook group, Learning the Transverse.